Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about us at our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want to thank you for listening today. Today, there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, this is two years now that I've been doing this podcast. And this past week, we've been excited, uh, the anticipation that maybe mask restrictions are going to end a little bit. We can, uh, maybe Easter will feel a little bit more like the usual. And then all of a sudden, renewed Russian aggression in the Ukraine once again puts us on edge. Geopolitical conflict in the European theater. It's been 35 years since the Berlin Wall came down, the breakup of the Soviet bloc. The pictures on the TV uh, kind of bring back some memories of the Cold War. Our family watches this armed conflict unfold even as our daughter is stationed with the U.S. Army in South Korea. She's in the armored division, which means she deals with tanks and land war stuff. Scary times. So today's reading, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, is the assigned reading for Transfiguration Sunday, February 27th, 2022. The title of this podcast is Divine Intervention. In this story, we see that God chose and sent Jesus to usher in the kingdom of God through his own death and resurrection, which means that Jesus knows all about suffering, hard choices, leadership, politics, wars, and violence. To navigate his way forward, Jesus relies on prayer, solitude, scriptures, some old mentors, and some new friends. I pray the Holy Spirit will guide and encourage each one of us through whatever uncertainties and fears we may be facing these days. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 9, verse 28. I want to begin with a prayer for peace. Dear God, As we open your word today, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can receive your instruction and and do as you command. Forgive our warring ways, O God, and lead us in paths that lead to peace, peace in our hearts and peace in our world. Amen. A reading from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went on to a high mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. And the disciples kept this to themselves and didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Reading this story, you know, they had just killed John the Baptist. 
King Herod had John's head chopped off. Reportedly, it was a result of kind of a dare at a dinner party. And John was Jesus' cousin, maybe one of the few people that Jesus could be himself with, who might have understood who Jesus was and what Jesus was trying to accomplish. And now John was dead. And the writing was on the wall that Jesus himself would face a similar end. And he knew it. He had to go to Jerusalem. So he tells his disciples to pack up, get ready to head for Jerusalem, where he would suffer and die and be raised on the third day. Anyone who wants to be my disciple, he tells them, must also deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me to the bitter end. Only then, he tells them, will you see the glory of God and the kingdom. After a week of preparation, they're almost ready to go. But first, one more prayer retreat. Jesus needed to get away from the noise, to find a place where he could be still, to clear his mind, hear God's voice, consider the journey ahead. So he packed up and took a hike (laughs) into the mountains. Last week, I was talking to my Wednesday Bible study group, asked them what their favorite place to pray was. And every single person in the group said they felt closest to God, felt most able to pray when they were in the woods or by the ocean side or up on a mountain. There is something holy and sacred about the outdoors. There on the mountain, Jesus is transfigured. Luke tells it's all bright and glowy like lightning. Now the nature and significance of this transformation, well, that would be worth a sermon. Talking about how Peter and the other disciples respond, that would be another sermon. Today, I want to focus in on this conversation with these two Old Testament icons, Moses and Elijah. Metaphorically, you could say that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. And so Jesus is engaged with the scripture, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. But here in this story, there are two dudes, (laughs) maybe two old friends of Jesus, who come to Jesus in his time of need. They come, it says, to talk about his upcoming departure, which in Greek is exodon, the word for exit, exodus. They're talking about his death, which would take place in Jerusalem. They're here to cheer him on, offer him support, and maybe even give him a little bit of leadership advice. After all, the three of them shared a common calling to lead God's people. Moses had been the great prophet whom God had sent to liberate the people from their slavery in Egypt. Elijah was the great prophet whom God had sent to liberate the people from their slavery to sin. And now Jesus, the Son of Man, Son of David, Son of God, chosen and sent by God to liberate the whole world, to defeat once and for all sin, death, and the devil, to reconcile all things to God, through his own death and resurrection. What a tall order to fill. What a lonely place to be. For Moses and Elijah to come to offer Jesus support, the three of them could compare notes, find common ground, recognize the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit in their efforts. Moses and Elijah also knew the heartache and grief that comes with leadership that comes from watching loved ones die and suffer. 
Moses witnessed a lifetime of suffering and death, slavery, plagues, the passing of an entire generation in the wilderness during his lifetime. Elijah, meanwhile, lived through a drought that lasted for over three years, widows starving to death, a corrupt government. He felt at one point like he was the only one left in all of Israel who still gave her, (laughs) who still cared, I should say. These two icons of the Old Testament, Elijah and Moses, could comfort Jesus in his grief over John, in Jesus' sense of isolation and loneliness. They could look him in the eye and say, we know what that's like, and he'd believe them. They know that leadership is always a challenging and lonely business. And finally, I think Moses and Elijah might have come to caution Jesus about what happens when leaders lose their temper or act out of anger or vengeance. A well-placed lightning bolt, fire from the sky, maybe a timely stroke or a heart attack. Certainly King Herod had it coming, didn't he? Surely this kind of power was available to Jesus. Surely he must have been tempted to use it. His power was available to Moses and Elijah, and they knew it. And both of them, in key moments in their lives, well, they pulled the trigger. Moses had called called on God to strike down an annoying trio of critics named Dathan, Korah, and Abiram. The earth opened, it says in Numbers chapter 16, uh, swallowed them up. Then fire came down from the sky and consumed 250 of of their followers. And then another 14,700, it says, died by plague. 15,000 people die because Moses loses his temper. I don't think it's Numbers chapter 16. I'll have to look that up again. But in the next chapter, God does intervene again. This time, he shifts some of the burden of leadership off of Moses' tired shoulders. When someone lashes out like that, it means they're tired. And so God enlists priests and Levites to take on the lion's share of responsibility for leading the people the rest of the way through the wilderness. Leadership is hard. Then there's Elijah in a showdown with the 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. This is in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah had summoned fire from the sky to prove that to Israel that Yahweh, not Baal, was the true God. And sure enough, the fire comes down, the, the, the sacrifice is consumed, Elijah wins. And then the scripture says he rounded up the 400 prophets that opposed him and had each one of them put to death. And in fact, in the original Hebrew, it suggests that Elijah himself executed all 400 of them by his own hand, one after the other, after the other, after the other, until there's the blood of 400 strangers on your hands. No wonder that the Bible says after that, Elijah runs away, and eventually he throws in the towel, I'm done, he tells God, I can't do this anymore. When God intervenes, it's to relieve Elijah of his duties and give Elijah his final assignment to anoint his successor, a young prophet named Elisha. Point is that both Moses and Elijah know how seductive this kind of power is. Their advice to Jesus, don't avenge John's death, they tell him, lest you become just one more powerful tyrant. Save the world instead. 
Show them what true power looks like. Sacrifice, compassion, healing, love. Hang in there, Jesus. This is what you were made for. You've got this. Don't make the same mistakes we did. And I imagine as the conversation winds down, the law and the prophet begin to walk away and Jesus blurts out, say hi to dad for me. And Elijah says, tell him yourself. And the cloud descends and the voice of the father declares, this is my son whom I have chosen. And then the voice says to the disciples very simply, listen to him. The hope that we have as Christians is that Jesus did what he came to do. He demonstrated fully and completely the faithfulness of God all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave and back again. His resurrection vindicated his way and his teaching that sin, death, and the devil cannot overcome the power of love and forgiveness. Therefore, we can trust in the faithfulness of God and we wait for the day when the kingdom of God is finally established on earth as it is in heaven, established not by force, not by coercion, not by tanks, but by love. And the church, the people of faith, can offer this alternative, life-affirming way of God, a vision for the future, this better vision for us, for our children, for our neighborhood and our world. So until things are on earth as they are in heaven, we, the people of faith, are given three tasks. To listen to Jesus, to grieve the world, and don't forget to pray. Listen to Jesus. The voice from the cloud tells us this is job one. And to do that, we need to find quiet places. We need space in our lives. We need to create intentional times and spaces where we can settle, focus, and listen, maybe in small groups, maybe alone. We listen to Jesus through nature, through the law and the prophets, through mutual conversation and consolation, through the very words of Jesus, who tells us how we should live in difficult and stressful times. He teaches us to do things like love your enemies, pray for those who mistreat you, do good to those who hate you, and bless those who curse you. We listen to Jesus. We also grieve. We acknowledge that this side of heaven, there will be wars and rumors of wars. We live in a world that is torn by sin, hate, greed, and violence, armed conflict in which young women and young men fight and kill and die, and there's nothing glorious about it. Nobody should have to see such things or do such things. And so we grieve, lament. We offer consolation and support to one another. We listen, we grieve, and we pray. Thoughts and prayers alone ring hollow, so by all means don't limit your love to words or speeches, the Bible says, but love with action and in truth, laying down our lives for others even as Jesus laid down his life for us. So we pray our prayers in concert with our faith in action. And this is the most powerful force this side of heaven. And so we pray. We pray this week for the people of Ukraine, young and old, women and men, Christian and Jew, Muslim and atheist, black and white. We pray for the Russians too, the ones who are fighting and the ones who are protesting. We pray for Mr. Putin, Mr. Zelensky, 
President Biden, the UN and European Union folks, all of them. And with our prayers, we work for justice and peace everywhere. The Lutheran Church has agencies around the world, including Ukraine. I've included a couple links to good humanitarian organizations affiliated with the Lutheran Church. Uh, the links are in the, the transcript. Lutheran World Relief and Lutheran World Federation are two good agencies. Listen to Jesus. Grieve the suffering in our world. And don't forget to pray. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm grateful to Chaz for his podcast production every week. Go to our website, www.faithshelton.org, to find more resources for growing closer to and more like Jesus. We would be blessed as uh, the people of God at, at Faith Lutheran to pray with you or for you. We also invite you to join a ministry or a small group. Share your ideas about how faith can honor God, bless our neighbors, or maybe help out in the Ukraine. Sign up for our weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to faith, subscribe to this podcast, you know the drill by now. I close with this prayer. Gracious and holy God, lead us from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead us from despair to hope, from fear to trust. Lead us from hate to love, from war to peace. Let peace fill our hearts and homes and world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm.